0: Well, good morning online and here in person. My name is Tanya, and I am the wife of Matt, and together we are the lead pastors here at Life Church. and we pastor alongside our associate pastors, Pastors Mike and Ev Schroeder, which we love, and it's an honor, and it's wonderful, and we're a little bit new to this, but we're loving every step of the journey so far. I don't know when you stop saying you're new to it, because we're about six months in, but still newbies, and <laughs> But it is so good to be here this morning, and I get the honor and the privilege to continue on our Bible study in the book of Ephesians. We just started last week, and I am going to continue on where Matt left off in verse 15 of chapter 1. And before we just dive into that, um, I'm just so excited and expectant. I love studying the Word of God. I have been a Christian forever, since I was like... Five, um, born into a Christian home, but, and so this word is in me, and what I love about the word of God is that there is something new every time we get into it, so you may have read Ephesians many, many times in your life, and or maybe it's your first time that you're diving into it here in our Bible study here at this, uh, church with this series. But what I do know is that in Hebrews 4 verse 12, it says the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And in, in the NLT, it says it's alive and powerful. And so every time that we come to the scriptures, every time that we come to the word of God, he has something new and fresh and a new revelation for us to receive. And that is what I'm excited about because as I was studying and a book that I have read many, many times, I was catch, catching new revelation and new things that I had not seen before. And God was just just doing something in my heart and stirring me up. And so I am passionate about, well, this book, about the whole Bible, but this passage that we're going to dive into. And last week, um, at the end of the sermon, Matt was talking about how in worship... We can get new revelations if we, you know, in the book of Revelation, in the Bible, it talks about they're sitting around the throne and they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And they're singing it over and over again. And you might think in our human minds, well, that would get extremely boring and redundant to spend your eternity doing that. But what if every time you're singing holy, holy, you're getting a new revelation of who God is and you're understanding something new about who he is. And that's what I believe that... Uh, what I believe about the Word of God, is that every time we open it, every time we read a passage of Scripture or a book in the Bible, there is something new that God wants to show us. Amen? And so that's what I'm excited about. That's what I'm praying for this morning, that you would, as we dive into these Scriptures and dig it and unpack it, that you would receive a new revelation of what God wants to show you this morning in His Word. Amen? Amen? So let's just pray and then we're going to dive in. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that you've given us this word, and that it is alive and active and powerful and sharper than two-edged sword, and it is our guide, and we believe and we value the word of God here at Life Church. and we thank you for it. Father, I pray that this morning that you would speak through me, and that your scriptures would speak life to your people in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, last week, we started in Ephesians 1, and Matt brought us through verses 1 to 14, the first part. And he laid a great foundation of kind of the history and the culture and in, the, in the city of Ephesus. And so we kind of got this um, idea of where this book, the timeline, or the time that it was written in. And this the, is written by Paul, the book of Ephesians, and it's a letter to the church in Ephesus. Now, I want to zoom out and take a look again at the culture in Ephesus, because as I was studying and learning and writing some things down, God really spoke to me as I was just studying about the history of Ephesus and what it looked like. And I believe it's a word that I just want us to grab onto this morning. And if we look at ancient city of Ephesus, okay, it was a busy city. It was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. It was a busy port city. It was a hub of four major roads going into Asia Minor. And so it was commercial. There was a lot of business happening. It was a real happening city. Tradesmen were making their living selling idols and in all kinds of different um, ways that you can make money through the idol worship. They had the biggest temple there um, and it was actually one of the seven wonders of the world and it was the temple to the Greek goddess Artemis and so there was a lot of business, there was a lot of trading, there was a lot of idol worship going on, there was a lot of magic being practiced. This was a city that was buzzing. But not with, like, all the good things, okay? (laughs) But in this culture that was surrounded, that was surrounded by all these things, right? Trades, business, idol worship, the church was beginning to grow. There was a a small group of people where the church was rising up. They were surrounded by this, this diverse, paganistic, corrupt city. But in the middle of this, the church began to rise, And as I was studying and just writing notes, writing notes, I just felt the Lord saying to me, he said, we're not different. We're not different than the city of Ephesus. Sorry, We're not different from that city. We have so much going on. There is so many things that right now, even right now in our current events in the city, um, country of Canada, that can just be distracting us and just taking all of our time when we think about it. But you know what? God is calling his church to rise up. And I thought those both words were such good words by Pastor Clark and by Graham that, oh my goodness. And you were preaching my sermon, Graham, when you said, do not get distracted, church. Because that's what I felt the Lord saying in my spirit. That there is a lot going on in this culture and in this time, in this political season right now that we find ourselves in. But I hear the Lord saying, do not, do not get distracted. He is calling us higher. He is calling us to pull away from all these distractions and pursue our relationship with God so that we can be a light. I mean, the world needs us. The world needs the church. So here we are in this in the city of Ephesus, all right, and um, in last week Matt was telling us that it, it, the first part of this book is telling us all that God has done for us. It's kind of explaining our identity in Christ. It's reminding us, reminding the Ephesians, the church of Ephesus, he's saying, "Hey, you have an identity in Christ. You have purpose, you have place and position in the family of God." So he spends those first 14 verses sharing that to the church and reminding them of who they are in Jesus. And it was up, it was building up for us as well. And now in verses 15 to 23, which we're going to dive into here today, Paul is telling us, and telling the Church of Ephesians, what is available to us, the more, the relationship, the intimacy that we can have with God. His prayer for the church in Ephesus is he's saying, as he's writing these verse, in verses 15 to 23, he's saying, "I want you to know the more." Now, you know all this. You've got the head knowledge. You know that you're sons and daughters. You know that you're chosen. You know that you're adopted. All those things that Matt even um, explained to us last week. You know these things. It's in your head. And now, the second part of the, this letter in this chapter, he's saying, but I want it to get to your heart. Church, I want it to get to your heart. And that's what I am praying this morning as we read these, this prayer, Paul's prayer to the church in Ephesus it would, the truth that are in here would get alive in our hearts. He's saying there is more. There is more. There is an experience with God, with Jesus. It's not just all up here. We can list all the things that we have in our relationship with the Lord. But until it gets into here, that's when the passion comes. That's when the Holy Spirit breathes. Just like that new song that we sang, we need a fresh wind. I need the Holy Spirit to come and blow on my head knowledge, and I need it to breathe, him to breathe his life into it and so that I can experience the more in my relationship, the intimacy, the friendship. Amen? When I think about head versus heart, because this is really, if you, if you remember one thing, I was trying to explain this to Matt last night, And he's like, well, what's, like, your summary? And I said, well, if if I could summarize this, I'd say, Paul is telling the Ephesians, and we can learn that we need to get out of our head knowledge, and it needs to get into our heart. So then he laughed, and he's like, well, that kind of sounds like our dating relationship. And I'm like, dating relationship. And then the finger would point on me, because it's true. In, In the first, we dated a couple times. We have quite a history. But on the first time that we dated, I was really caught up in my head, overthinking things, and should should we do this? Is this right? And I don't know, and I'm listing all the things in my head, and well, this is good, but maybe this isn't good, or maybe we need this. I just, I was in my head, like just right there, and so it was destroying any kind of potential friendship or relationship that could actually bud between the two of us, because I was just stuck there and overthinking, and, uh, and so we broke up, and because of that, and, uh, and so, but then we had another chance. We got a second chance at love. And uh, I was, at, in that time, the Lord had actually really done a work in my heart and spoken to me. And I could approach that relationship with my heart. And I could give Matt my heart. And it was vulnerable, which is in every, any relationship that we have. But I was able to not think so much we need both, but I could just give them my heart. And our relationship obviously was successful because we fell in love and now we're married. Yes, going on 18 years soon. So, but that is just, that's kind of like what this whole last part of this chapter one is talking about is like, there is more to this. There is more, church. There is more. It's not just knowing everything that's in this book, but it's getting it in here, getting it in here and falling in love with your Savior. Amen. Well, let's dive in. Let's read. It's, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Ephesians 1, verse 15. It also will be up on the screen. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Remember, this, this is Paul writing a letter to the church in Ephesus. And he says, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know, there it is, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the work of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Verse 22, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. All right, let's just dig in. We're going to go through these scriptures. This is a Bible study, okay? I've never done this before. I mean, I've been a part of a lot of Bible studies, but I actually haven't. But I promise you, I have dug, and I have searched, and I have studied, and I have truth and a word for you. All right, I am moved in verse 15 and 16 when I hear the tenderness that Paul is addressing this church of Ephesus. He's saying Um, I do not cease to give thanks for you. You are always in my prayers. And so that tells me that there is such a relationship between Paul and these people. And this is kind of fun for you to go back during the week if you want to kind of... I like knowing the context of what's going on in the scripture. And if you go to Acts 19... And you read in that whole chapter, it talks about God, uh, not God, Paul's experience with the church in Ephesus. And in particular, the verses 1 to 7 of Acts 19, it's when Paul meets up with this small group. And they actually, I don't even know if you can call them a church, Scissors, there's 12 of them, but he meets them and he has this encounter with them, and he's asking them about what they know, and and he finds out that they actually don't know a lot about the Lord, but they're like radically on fire for him. That would be our language today. And and then he ends up baptizing them in the name of Jesus, and he lays his hands on them, and they begin to speak in tongues and prophesy, and then they follow him around. And he's in Ephesus for about two years, and the rest of the book, uh, chapter in Acts 19, kind of tells about Paul's journey through Ephesus and what happened there. So if you kind of want to get a little bit more context to what we're um, reading about here in Ephesians, you can do your homework and do that in 19. But what I, when I was reading Acts, I just could see the relationship. You know, he has some disciples; they follow around, they're preaching and they're teaching, and a church is formed. And They're having these spiritual experiences together. So I love that. That's just a little, you know, kind of a little observation on my part. I love the tenderness which he speaks of, speaks to these this church about. Now, in verse 17, 18, and 19, there are five things that Paul prays that he wants the Ephesian church to experience. All right, and um, this prayer was written to a body of believers. And so we are also a body of believers here today in this present time, so we can apply this prayer also to our lives. Now, first thing, number one, in verse 17 and 18, the first thing that he prays, that they may know God. That they may know God and the friendship that they can have with him. Verse 17 says that the God of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So that's what I was talking about before with the wisdom, head knowledge. You know him. You know about him. But revelation He's been revealed to you His glory and His goodness and His mightiness, and how awesome He is and how good He is to us. It's been revealed to you. That's what Paul's praying for. He says, I pray that you would have that knowledge, but it also would get into your heart. That's where your relationship comes alive. There's the more. When he's saying, I pray for more, I'm calling you to higher things in your relationship with, with God. That is what I'm saying to you this morning too. There's more. Don't just be satisfied with knowing, but also you want to experience him. You want him to be revealed to you. This is our cry, that we would see him. We would see him. And the rest of verse, um, no, going on to verse 18, I'm sorry, the eyes, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened there it is again, that you would have a new understanding of who he is for yourself. You know, so many times people can argue with you when you're talking with them about the Lord, if you're talking with a non-Christian or if you're with a co-worker and you get into a conversation, and it's really easy for people to kind of argue and kind of bite back, well, I don't know, who knows, can you prove creation, can you prove, and sometimes I get You know, because I'm like, I don't have all the scientific facts. I never was great at science. I don't know all these things to, like, spout out at you. But what I do know, what I do know is my experience with him. And nobody can argue. And I know that my God is real. I know that he has healed me. I know that he has taken my hand and pulled me out of the miry pit. And I know that he set my feet upon a rock. And I know who my God is because every day I wake up with hope and a future and a calling and nobody can argue with that. And that is what Paul is talking about in this part. That your eyes of your heart would be enlightened. That they may know God. That you may know God. That you may have a deep friendship with him. Philippians 3.10 says that I may know him. It's one of my favorite verses. That I may know him. That I may know him. That I may know him in the power of that raised Christ from the dead, we get on to the power part in a few lines down here too, but that I may know him. May that be our cry, may that be our prayer. May we be a church that says, Lord... We just want to know you. I have no idea what's going on in this world right now. I have no idea how it's going to turn out. I've got kids that I want to have an awesome country to live in. I have kids that we're raising to serve and love Jesus, and I want an amazing country for them to live in. I have no idea, and I I cannot predict. I cannot change what's going to happen, but I do serve a God who does know what's going to happen, who is in control, and he's our hope, and he's our future. Do you know him? Do you know him? We want to know him. Number two, this is verse 18, that they may know the hope. It says that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Do you know the hope that you have? It's a future. It's eternal salvation. It's a future promise that we can live in now. It's this idea of that we know that we're going to heaven. We know that there's something great that we are living for. We have a purpose and a destiny, and we know what's ahead of us, but we still are here in the now. We still live here in the world, and we're here with two feet on the ground, with one eye on eternity, and we are living with hope that sustains us. When you're facing problems, when you're facing a medical diagnosis, when you're facing a marriage that is falling apart, we are a people of hope. Do you know that hope? I can still see where I'm headed. I'm in this mess right now, but I have a hope that comes from Christ that can sustain me. Amen? Psalm 16, verse 9 says, Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoices. My flesh will rest in that hope. I'm going to rest. I'm going to wait on you, Lord God. You are my hope. You are my rock. Psalm 31, verse 24, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. All you who hope in the Lord, do you know the hope that we have? Do you know the hope? We're moving on to verse 18, and, the extra, the, and part of the verse 18 says that you may know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That you may know the riches of the glory of, his, of the inheritance in the saints. Do you know your worth? That's what this is talking about. Now, sometimes you could read that wrong if you're just kind of reading through quickly, as sometimes we do in the Bible when we're just kind of reading through. Yeah, we got that. And he's not talking about God being our inheritance. It's talking about us, his people, being His inheritance. We are God's treasure. We are his valuable treasure, his possession. I just, I like had to sit in that this week a bit. I'm like, we are his and glorious. We are God's glorious inheritance. You and I are the God of the universe's glorious inheritance. That is a very mysterious, overwhelming thought to me. But sometimes we cannot work it all out, but it is just this awesomeness of the God that we serve. When you see how precious you are to God, that's going to change the way you think, the way you live out your day-to-day life, when you know that you are the inheritance of the God of God. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 says, But you are a chosen generation. I love this, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, his own own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light royal priesthood holy nation his own special people come on what did we do to deserve this oh what is man that you are mindful of him david says in the psalms how did this happen i'm just going to worship I'm going to thank you. Every day can I live my life as a worship offering to you, Lord. I don't deserve any of this. I am not worthy. You say that we are your inheritance. That is our worth to God. That is your worth. In Matthew 13, there's a really short little parable, again, that you can kind of just stumble over. And it says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And get this and for joy over it, joy over the treasure, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. That treasure is you, that treasure is me, and the person who gave everything to buy that field is God. He gave his son so that he could buy the world, so that he could gain the treasure. I just I cannot get over that thought that we are God's reward. For the sacrifice of his son's life. Let that truth sit in your spirit. He looks forward to knowing you. He looks forward to time with you. He looks forward to that secret place, that abiding that we talked about in January here as a church where we just delved into that word and what that meant to spend time in his presence. He looks forward to it because we are his treasure. Number four, in verse 19 and 20, that they would, Paul prays it, they would know the power. That they would know the power that is at work in us who believe. That we would be a people that know the power that is at work in us. That is what he's praying here. Verse 19 says that you may know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Do you know the power that is within us who believe? Do you know it? Do you know it? Have you experienced it? The great power alive in us is the same power, the scripture says, that raised Christ from the dead. Again, another mind-blowing concept that I am having a hard time wrapping my brain around, but it's not for us to fully grasp all the time. The power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. The God who brings good out of bad, brings life out of death, is the same God who's living in you and me. That is amazing thought. That is it just brings joy. It just brings like life into my spirit. Anything that you are facing today, anything that you are facing at home today, anything, God is greater. God is greater. He's more powerful. He's overcome. He is victorious. We're going to read about that in the next couple verses, how Jesus has the victory. Jesus wins, you guys, and he lives in us, and he is ruling and reigning, and he lives in us, so he is greater than anything that we are facing that is before us, any sickness, any marriage problem, anything that is coming upon us right now, anything that is happening in our nation. God is greater. Do you know that power? Back to that Philippians 3.10, that I may know him, and the rest of that is in the power of his resurrection. That I may know it. That's what Paul is praying over this church in Ephesus. That is Paul's cry, because he's experienced it. Remember his life-changing experience on his encounter with, the whole, with the Jesus on the road to Damascus? This He's saying, you guys, we need to experience these things that are ours. The hope, the power, the friendship that we have available to us. Romans eight eleven says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. He will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit that dwells in you, through the spirit that dwells in me. Remind yourself today. I feel like we need to remind ourselves of this all the time. You know, you wake up and you're like, oh my goodness, this day, this week, my life, whatever it may be, right? You know, there are days like that. Come on, honestly, there are. And it says God is more powerful. You need to remind yourself, say, no, God is more powerful. I have the spirit of God dwelling inside of me, and he is giving me power. He is giving me a hope, and he's giving me life this morning, this day, this week, our life, amen? We need to remind ourselves. you know, whatever it is that's at your job, that's going on in your life today, whatever it might be. He is more powerful, and that spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. Then Paul ends this prayer, and he's talking about the rule and reign of Jesus. And he's praying that they would know Jesus' complete authority, that they would know that he has victory and he rules over all, that they would know his authority, in verse 20, 20 to 23, I'm just going to back up here. It says, He worked in Christ. So God worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. And Jesus is far above all principality and all power and might and dominion in every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Verse 22 and he put all things under his feet. There's the victory. And he gave him to be head over all things to the church. Amen. He's head over this church. We're not head. I'm so grateful for that. I read that scripture. I'm like, yeah, it's not on us. <laughs> so if we make a mistake, it's okay. Because God is ruling and reigning and Jesus is head over the church. Not Matt and I. Not pastors Mike and Eve. It's not on us. It's Jesus. He's ruling and reigning, and his church will prevail, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That is another hope we have. Church, we need to rise up, because we will not prevail. God is on his throne, and Jesus is the head over all things to the church. Verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Jesus, he's raised from the dead. He's seated at God's right hand. In heavenly places. He's far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name. Not only in this age, but also in the age to come. It just like rises in me. When I was reading, this is what I'm talking about. You get this revelation just coming and just overflowing. As you're reading, you're like, I get it, Lord. I'm getting it, my spirit. Remind me. He put, God put all things under his feet. Victory. Paul is saying, "Jesus wins. Jesus wins." I know there's a lot going on right now. I feel like I can see God look, looking down at us, <laughs> and probably like, "Whoa, wow!" <laughs> but no, he's not shaking his head in surprise. He knows us. Nothing's taken him by surprise. I, that, I'm not saying that. Um, he knows all, and he. But he's looking down. He's like, "We've won, church. We've won. Jesus won." Let's rise up. Let's be the church. Let's be love. As Pastor Clark said that, let's let's be the voice. Let's be love. Let's be what the world needs. We need to be a light. We need to show the world. When I read this prayer to the church of Ephesus, when he's saying, remind yourself, because there's more. And I'm saying, let's remind ourselves, church in White Rock. Life Church in White Rock, let's remind ourselves because, you know what, there is a world that also needs to know that there's a God who wants to have a relationship with them, that there's a God who is giving us hope and a future, and there is eternity. We're living for eternity. We're not living for here. You know, that's why I don't have to walk in depression over what's going on because I know that this is just, for a short time, this world right now. I mean, I'm in it. We're all in it, and it affects us. I'm not diminishing that at all. But we also are a people that are living for something greater, and we are living for eternity, and we need to give that hope and show that power and, and show it to the church, to the, sorry, to the people around us. Church, we need to rise up. So, my question today, when we, hear about these, when we hear about this prayer, that you know God, that you know your hope, the hope that you have, you know your worth to God, you're in You and I are His inheritance. That we know the power that is at work in us, who believe that we would know that Jesus is ruling and reigning over all. My question for us: We know this in our heads. We got this. We get a lot of teaching on this. There's a lot we can listen to podcasts. We can go to conferences. I, can, I could kind of actually become like a, um, a podcast junkie over here. That's my confession because um, I love learning and I love knowledge. So I like have podcasts on all the time in my ears, like not all the time, but I'm constantly learning and growing. But you need to be careful. I need to be careful because there's one voice that I want to hear above all other voices, and I can learn a lot of head knowledge, but I want to make sure that I'm spending time with my Jesus so that it is a relationship, and I'm hearing his voice above all else. That it is his voice that is loudest and clearest, and it's his voice that is directing my life, our family's life. You know that it's Jesus, that we're following Jesus. The head, the wisdom, and the knowledge, we know it. We're in church, we know it. But do you know it in your heart? Has this power, has this hope, has your worth been revealed to you? Has it been made known to you? Is it alive in you? Where are you at? Is it feeling a little stale? It's like, ah, it's not, I just really haven't, it hasn't been coming alive to me. And I'm, I'm here to echo what Graham said in his word. And what Paul is saying also to the church in Ephesus. In this culture of corruption and division and busyness, chaos in Ephesus, also in White Rock, in Canada, right? It's the same. Nothing new under the sun, says in Ecclesiastes. These cities and these worlds that are just distractions are plenty. And I feel Paul calling the church in that time in Ephesus, And we can still hear the call today in the church in White Rock saying, don't get distracted. Don't let this become a stale, head-knowledge kind of relationship with your God. Let it become alive and active in this heart knowledge that you would have wisdom and revelation. And then we can take that out into this world that needs it so don't get distracted, church. I don't want to become distracted. We have a calling. We have a purpose, and the, ch- and the world needs to hear who God is. And we are those voices. You know, you think about it, and it can, And it, I'm not meaning like you have to go out on the mission field. I'm talking about your coworker that sits beside you Monday to Friday, or that you have interactions with, or you go to school and you're a teacher and you have this classroom of kids. There is. There are your disciples. There's your, the, every conversation, every little bit that you can just insert a little bit of hope, a little bit of truth. Your neighbor beside you that you live beside, down the hall or across the street, that's where it is. The world is hurting, and they need to see a people of God that is alive and on fire, and that what we know about God is so alive and true and it's been revealed to us and we have experienced it and we have deep, intimate friendship with him. There is more. There is more. And God wants to bring a fresh wind of his presence. And Matt, can you come up to the piano? And I just, I felt this with this new song. I get to pick out the songs too that we are bringing into the church. And this song was not letting me go. And it just kind of, and as I was studying too, and I was just hearing the words of this song, I'm like, that's what it is. I want a fresh wind. I want a fresh touch. I don't want to become stale. I don't want to become stagnant. I don't want to become distracted. get caught up in just a bunch of facts about who we are in Christ without it becoming real to us.
1: Be the fresh on us this morning. We want to be a church that will arise. Yes, we will be your church.
0: watching online for every single person that is
1: here in the building, Lord Jesus, that you would grab hold of our hearts, Lord. We may not be the same this
0: moment here with you.
1: Our lives are built
0: upon all these moments and experiences with you, Lord Jesus. Father, it is our cry, it is our prayer that we would reach out for the more in you. We would not be satisfied. Just knowing about nation, in our government. Would you pour your
1: spirit out? We need you and we need a fresh touch from you.
0: May we keep our eyes on you, Father. May we keep our focus on you, Lord Jesus, when it's so tempting to get pulled and distracted in the things of this world and in the day-to-day of our lives. Lord Jesus, would you just You're so gracious to do that time and time again. Would you just pull us
1: back?
0: We're going to keep running. And when we fall or when we just come a little bit to the side, Father, would you just be so kind and gracious and pull us back in?
1: Because we want more.
0: We want more, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray that this week, Father, as your church goes out, Father, that there there would be a knowing and a a confidence of who we are in you and what we have as we walk out in our lives this week.